0: If you'll turn in your Bibles to Mark, the 6th chapter, and I ask you to continue to pray for me, I have found that whenever something, a subject really burdens me, I have a harder time conveying it and communicating it. And then when something maybe is not as heavy on me as at other times, it seems for some reason easier to communicate. I think that's partly because of my own flesh. So pray for me this morning that I can effectively communicate Uh, my burden that the Lord has laid on my heart as we read in Mark, the sixth chapter, beginning in the 30th verse, Mark six and verse 30. And the apostles gathered themselves together unto Jesus and told him all things, both what they had done and what they had taught. And he said unto them, come ye yourselves apart into a desert place and rest a while. For there were many coming and going, and they had no leisure so much as to eat. And they departed into a desert place by ship privately. And the people saw them departing, and many knew him, and ran afoot thither out of all cities, and out went them, and came together unto him. And Jesus, when he came out, out of the ship, saw much people, and was moved with compassion toward them, because they were as sheep not having a shepherd, And he began to teach them many things. And when the day was now far spent, his disciples came unto him and said, This is a desert place. And now the time is far past. Send them away, that they may go into the country round about and into the villages and buy themselves bread, for they have nothing to eat. The subject today is, this is a desert place. You notice how many times that phrase comes up in those few verses, at least four times. And I want to talk to you, I want to be very clear, I hope, with my message and my subject that the subject that we're speaking of applies directly to us today. This is a desert place, and the time is far spent. Do you often feel as though that you are in a desert place, lost, wandering, at a loss to know what to do, especially since March or so. Who do I listen to? What do I do? How do I conduct myself? What manner am I able to move forward? And I believe that if you'll bear with me this morning, I want to lay down the framework, which I think is very clear for you, for me, for this church, for God's people to move forward through these strange times. I think this is especially upon my heart because of the election coming up on Tuesday. And there's many people, one way or the other, that are going to lose some heart, whatever the result of that is, and you find out early Wednesday morning. So one side or the other is going to lose heart. They're going to feel like they're in a desert place. So I want you to know that from one standpoint, we should feel that way as children of God in general. As I begin to study this, looking at the context and also understanding the location and what was going on, uh, I hope that will be uh, enlightening to us all as we consider this. You can find this account of the feeding of the 5,000 in three of the Gospels. And you'll see at least three of the Gospels. But you'll see there's some, some, some similarities. But this is not the only feeding of, the fi- of, of a number of people. And it's not the only time that Jesus looked upon a multitude. And I hope to set that before you so that you can see how Jesus feels about... Their situation, okay? And that, if anything, if you get anything out of what we're talking about here today, may we understand how Jesus feels about our situation, okay? I think we need a heavenly perspective. I think we need an otherworldly perspective on things that are going on, how we move forward, and things that we're dealing with, regardless of how some election turns out, regardless of, of who is in the White House, regardless of what structure of government we're living under, that is not the key for us moving forward. Do you understand that when Jesus preached these words that he preached, and when he did these things that he did, it was one of the most difficult political environments that's ever existed in the, war, in the, in the history. Now, the people were free enough to where they could go and they could assemble and do the things that they were doing, but for the Jewish people, the Roman government was basically breathing down their neck. It was very It was a stifling environment for anything spiritual to move forward. Can you identify with that? Now, from what Brother Luke talked to us about this morning, I agree with him wholeheartedly. In many ways, we really haven't suffered as we see many have suffered in the past. It might be said uh, that these are things that are just making us uncomfortable more more so. But we're not suffering. We haven't lacked for food. We haven't lacked for housing. We haven't lacked for clothing. Are you all with me? You know, so in in terms of suffering, you know, put it in perspective. We haven't suffered, and I don't want us to. And I'm telling you, whether we are suffering, whether we're in a stifling political environment or a more free uh, governmental type environment, or whether we're suffering in the sense of not having food, clothing, shelter, so forth, this is the framework right here, what I'm about to share with you. This is the framework, and we'll get to that as we lay this context. We know that this area that they were going to, where Jesus says... Come ye yourselves apart into a desert place. Now, I have always thought of that as being like a sandy desert. Maybe you have too. (laughs) But I think as we study this closely and we look at this closely, we will find that this was not a sandy desert, okay? This was, and as a matter of fact, one of the definitions of... Desert there is an uncultivated region where it's very grassy and there is the potential of making a beautiful farm. You know, in other words, you might say a field that's ripe to the harvest. The reason we know that are a couple reasons. Number one, this was near Bethsaida and Bethsaida was on the north shore of the Sea of Galilee. And Jesus says for them to go out to Bethsaida after they leave this area in the book of Luke, in this account, it says that they were near, that it joined to a part of being near Bethsaida. And Bethsaida was known as the house of fishing. That's what the name Bethsaida means. It was a house of fishing. It was a very lucrative place. It's also the hometown of Peter and Andrew. So you see, and Philip also. So you see, this this was an area near that joined near Bethsaida, but it was an un, un, uncultivated. Another reason that we know that this was not a sandy desert is because Jesus said, in a, in a little while, as we read on down, you'll see that Jesus told them to organize them in companies on the green grass. You understand, there's no question that this is not a sandy desert place. And it also had to be a large place. If you think about the number of people there, 5,000 men, and then you add women and children to that. If there was one woman per every man and one child per woman, can you do the math on that? That's about 15,000 people. So when you think about the 5,000 being fed, it was more like 20,000 being fed. Y'all see that? It was not just 5,000 men out there. there. They counted and numbered 5,000 men. There were also women, and there were also children. Could have been more than 20,000. It's a lot of people to feed with five loaves and two fishes, right? And so Jesus says, I need you to come apart to this desert place, this uncultivated region. And by the way, near Bethsaida in archaeology and history, and it may be even so today, but there is about a three-mile Plane that drops off into the Sea of Galilee. And it is conjectured and believed that in this three-mile plain, which was a grassy plain, uh, that it, that's probably where this took place. And there were also some grassy knolls and gentle hills upon which the people could sit, almost like an amphitheater-type viewing, because, you know, you had to have a place to put this many people. 5,000, 10,000, 15,000, maybe 20,000. That's a lot of people. You think about the venues today that will hold, hold such people. They had to have a large area for people to sit down and be able to listen to Jesus. And Je- but remember this, the way they get here is Jesus says, I need you to come apart. <laughs> he tells the apostles, come apart with me. Let's get away from the people. That's what he's saying. You need to rest. The whole purpose of them coming apart into this uncultivated region was so that they could rest. The word rest means to refresh or to cease movement, to recover strength. I've known several people that have been afflicted by COVID-19, and it's a deceptive recovery in, with this disease because somebody may feel like they're getting a little bit better, but the fatigue is so, uh, so real that for, for weeks, they're not able to do that which is uh, their ordinary routine, Uh, You you know, someone might just jump back out there. So I'm better. I can. Don't we all do that when we get sick and we feel better? We think we can do a lot. Maybe you've had a steroid shot and, and that's deceptive, too. You feel better for a little while and then you it wears off and you feel washed out again. But it's a deceptive disease. Somebody needs to cease movement in order to recover strength. Just cease. And that's hard for us to do, isn't it? i Sister Tracy, I'll pick on her a little bit. She's so busy around the house and she does so much stuff. Sometimes I feel like I'm just going to get something, just tie her up and set her down in the chair so she can't move. That'd be a whole other uh, problem altogether, wouldn't it? <laughs> but I'm like, just just stop, just sit down, just rest for a little bit because it's, it's just, there's always something to do, right? There's always something to do. Ladies around the house, it's never ending. Clothes to wash, uh, dishes to wash, all the things that are going on, food to cook, so forth and so on. But this type of rest that Jesus is referring to is to cease movement. To recover your strength. I remember when Elder Martin Onyani came here and visited several years ago when he was not healthy. He's much healthier today. Praise God. The Lord has delivered him in many ways in a health way. But when he first came, he was about 95 pounds. And I remember when we hosted him in our house, he slept for 17 hours. 17 hours. And I, I, he came in in an afternoon and he basically, you know, didn't get up until... Close to lunch the next day. And I would go in and out checking on him. He's still asleep. You okay, brother? Sometimes I wouldn't hear anything. (laughs) Sometimes he'd say yes. (laughs) It's it's not because he was lazy. It's because he was sick. And I thought, man, I'm going to leave him alone. I'm not going to get him up to talk to anybody. I'm not going to press him. That brother needs to rest. He's sick. See? Jesus is telling the apostles, come aside with me to a desert place. Get away from the crowd and the noise. And all the things that are going on. And come and rest and recover strength. Also, don't forget this. The apostles had just... If you put all of the accounts of this together in the book of Matthew and here in the book of Mark and also in the book of Luke, you'll find that the apostles have just come and reported to Jesus about his cousin, John the Baptist, having his head cut off. That's interesting that Jesus, upon receiving this news, which he already knew, of course, because he's God. But upon receiving this news, Jesus doesn't look to get get a gang together and go attack king Herod or his forces no he says let's just go apart and let's recover let's rest there's something to that for us is it not <laughs> and so jesus says come apart to this uncultivated region the the specific definition one of the definitions of the word desert there is an uncultivated an uncultivated region that is fit and ready for pasturage for pasturage which means for animals like sheep or cows or whatever, to come and graze, right? So the scene that you have here is that Jesus tells his apostles to come apart. They begin to come apart. They, they get in a boat and they, uh, they go down to this area away from the people. And somehow, you know, the people realize where he's going. And that's, I bet he's going down there to that, um, that area, you know, that grassy area. That's a that's a good area down there, and so they outrun him. They outwent where he was going, and so when he gets there, there's these thousands of people waiting. (laughs) You ever had it all planned out? You're going to get some rest. You're everything was going to be quiet. Is going, and then all of a sudden, boom! You know something comes up. So Jesus, notice that might irritate me, and it might irritate you. Oh my goodness! You know I was going to rest, and now I got to do this. Not Jesus. Isn't this beautiful? It says that whenever Jesus came out of the boat, He saw much people and was moved with compassion toward them because they were as sheep not having a shepherd. Now, if you put together the several times that Jesus sees the multitude in Matthew, the ninth chapter, you'll find where he sees a multitude and he says that they were as sheep, not having a shepherd. They were leaderless. They didn't have any, any direction. They were scattered here and there. Some thought this, some thought that some thought the other, they were scattered. And Jesus, it says that he had compassion on the multitude. This is in Matthew nine. And he said, we need to pray. You need to pray that the Lord of the harvest would send forth laborers to the harvest because the fields are white and harvest That was Jesus' burden when He looked upon the scattered sheep. Are you with me? Another time in Matthew 14, which is this time that we're reading about in Mark 6, it says that Jesus, when He beheld the multitude, He saw that they were as sheep having no shepherd, and it says that He had compassion on them. That what He did was motivated out of compassion. How He gathered them. How He organized them. How He led them in their directionlessness. See, it was, it was out of compassion. And then we read later in Matthew, the 15th chapter, that Jesus declares his compassion. That's when he fed the next several thousand. You understand? The first time, there was not a feeding. He just said, we need to pray, send forth labors to the harvest. The second time... He has compassion and he's moved with compassion and he feeds the 5,000. The third time he declares his compassion. He says, I have compassion on the multitude. This is in Matthew 15. I have compassion on the multitude for they continue with me three days. He said, I will not send them away hungry. Lest they faint in the way as they go. So you see Jesus' focus here on sheep not having a shepherd. He sees them and he doesn't get stomp his foot and say, well, why don't they have the same opinion that I have? You know, why aren't they doing this? Why aren't they doing that? If you want to put it in real local focus and current context, you can see people on all ends of the spectrum, as I've said before. Why isn't this person wearing a mask? And then other people are saying, well, why is that person wearing a mask? And why, aren't, won't they, why do they say they won't get the vaccine when it comes to... Well, why would they get the vaccine when... Man, you talk about scattered sheep. Scattered. You can find every end of the spectrum that you want. And let me tell you this, I have my own opinions. And I'm not going to tell you. (laughs) Because it doesn't matter. I've got my opinions just like you do. It's not about our opinions. It's about the focus that Jesus presents here, which is when He looked upon the scattered multitude, He had compassion. That's the key right there. I I think I've got some opinions that are probably wrong. I don't want to put my opinions on you and you should not want to put your opinions on me. We should make our focus what Jesus's focus was. And we should have compassion on one another when we see the sheep scattered and the sheep are scattered. Let me tell you, I'm not just talking about, you know, some inside, some outside. I'm talking about in general across the nation, the sheep of God are scattered. I love what one preacher that I was visiting with recently said. He said, you know, it's not the time to take your finger and put it in the face of the sheep and say, well, you ought to be this. You ought to be doing that. Because the sheep are agitated. They're scared. They've got all these different ideas and opinions that have come at them in many ways not from God. And I want you to see that Jesus didn't stick his finger in the face of the sheep and say, hey, listen up here, buster. No, Jesus had compassion on them because they were just wandering around, agitated. Uh, upset, scared, little sheep. But His compassion led Him to do some things. The first thing that we read that He did, you can find in Luke, the ninth chapter. You don't have to turn there because I'm bringing them all together to Mark 6. But it says when Jesus beheld, specifically it says when He beheld the multitude, it says that He received them. (laughs) Isn't that great? (laughs) It says that He was willing to visit with them. He was willing to be around them. And then it says that He spoke of the kingdom of God. And it says that He healed those that were in need of healing. You see the actions of compassion that Jesus carried out when He saw the sheep that were scattered and agitated and upset? He received them, you see? He didn't chase them away. He didn't point the finger in their face. He didn't try to stamp His feet at them and say, you ought to be thinking this way or you ought to be doing this. No, He received them on the the terms that they came to Him. Whatever their issues were, if they needed healing, He healed them. If they needed a word, He gave them the word. If they needed this or that, that's what He gave them, you see? Because He knows what we need. He received them. He spoke of the kingdom of God and He healed them. And then He miraculously fed them. Don't forget where we came from. Jesus said, come apart into a desert place. Jesus has put them here, you see. Now the people following along was a consequence of that, but Jesus has called the apostles and the disciples to be in that desert place, that uncultivated region that is ripe for pasturage. So Jesus said, remember, come apart. You have need of rest. Come to this desert place. So they departed into a desert place. And then as the day began to wear away... The disciples stated the obvious. They said, Master, the day is far past, and this is a desert place. Well, obviously, that's where Jesus called them to be. (laughs) They said, we need to send these people away. So now let's turn our attention just for the rest of the time to the time of day that it was. They said the time is far past. In the Jewish culture, they had a first and a second evening. The first evening would be after three o'clock and before sunset. The second evening would be at sunset. So are you getting the time of day that this is? They've been there since that morning. Jesus has been teaching and healing and doing the things that he's doing. Now it's after three o'clock. doesn't even sound like they took any lunch. I'll tell you, I'm sure that Jesus was enough of a lunch for them to feast on. And so now it's after three o'clock and the turn of the afternoon has approached and sunset, the best part of the day, has peaked and passed. You know, this is the time of day that I would say, my brain is fried. (laughs) And I'm hungry, I want to go home, I want to see my family, I want to be uh, be with my family. Luke 9 and 12, in relation to this, says that the day had worn away. They were on the lower end of the day. And here was the disciples' plan. The disciples said, this is a desert place, the day is far past, send them away. (laughs) That was the disciples' plan. Can you imagine... 20,000 people, I know they didn't stampede, but, you know, herding into some local village, hey, we need some food. (laughs) Can you imagine 20,000 and hungry little children, 15 to 20,000? That would be a disaster, would it not? (laughs) And Jesus' plan is this. He says, they have no need to depart. Give, give them to eat. And the disciples' response was, what? We, we, we could go buy thousands of dollars worth of bread and not have enough to feed this huge crowd. And Jesus says, sit them down on the green grass. That's how we know that this was not a sandy desert place. This was an uncultivated region that was ripe for sheep or cattle to pasture. And Jesus said, what do we got? And they said, five loaves and two fishes. Y'all get that? Think about your loaf of bread, your 99-cent loaf of bread that you go to get. Five loaves of bread and two fishes. I saw a picture where Brother Philip had put some incredibly beautiful catches of fish that he and someone had caught. They put it on the Internet, and I thought, man, that's some good-looking... The... Take two of those. Take two of those fish and set them to the side. And can you all see them standing there over the grass going, we got five loaves and we got two fishes. This ain't happening. <laughs> so Jesus says, sit them down. Set them down on the green grass. He organized them by 50s and 100s. Jesus organized them. Are you, are you listening to me? Jesus, the Lord Jesus Christ, who had compassion on this multitude, organized the scattered sheep, and he set them down in 50s and 100s, and he miraculously began to break the bread and feed them. So miraculous, by the way, that at the end, after everyone had, fed, had been fed and had their fill... It's just they took up 12 baskets of the fragments that were left. You know, that's the leftovers. It's okay to have leftovers. I'm sure they didn't just throw them out like like we often do. They probably carried them to the local village and let some poor people feast on this leftover miraculous bread that Jesus had created. So here it is. Okay, here it is. Here's what I'm getting to. They wanted to send them away. Verse 36, Jesus said, give you them to eat. The disciples said, there's no way we can feed these people. Jesus said, how many loaves do you have? Verse 38, five loaves, two fishes. And he commanded them to sit down by companies upon the green grass. And they sat down in ranks by hundreds and by fifties. In verse 41, here it is. This is what we're getting to. This is the answer. This is the solution. This is how the sheep gather together again. This is how the sheep come together. And I'm not just talking, listen to me, let me be very clear. I'm not just talking about in the sanctuary here. I'm talking about the scattered sheep upon every hill and every uh, every every place they go, and their minds are scattered, and they're agitated, and they're they're uh, upset, and they're they're wondering what the future holds. That's what I'm getting at here. <laughs> this is the gathering. This is how it comes back together. We'll have people listening to the podcast. We've got people listening in the parking lot. We got you listening right here. Or there may be people listening on Facebook later as we post this. This is it. It's not rocket science. It's very simple. Jesus, who had compassion on the multitude, he looked up. He looked up. He blessed what he had in front of him. He blessed God. He broke what he had. He broke the bread of what he had, and he gave. You say, Brother Tim, that's just too simple. That is the answer. That's the answer for the scattered sheep, for the agitated mind, for the opinions that are out there. If you're here, if you're there, if your guy wins on Tuesday, if he doesn't win on Tuesday, if the house gets taken back or doesn't get taken back, if the Senate falls apart, whatever happens for the future, this is the future of the children of God right here, of the scattered sheep. This is their future. Jesus Christ looks up. He looks up to heaven, and that's a model for you, and that's a model for me. We should be looking up. And we should be blessing or thanking or invoking or pray invoking the blessing or praising our Heavenly Father because He's the one that will move us forward. He's the one that will calm our agitated minds. And I'm not just talking about being agitated because somebody's not thinking like I'm thinking. I'm talking about just being agitated in general. It's an agitating time. And he took what he had. He took what he had. And he broke it and he gave it away. What do you have? Whatever it is, you should be blessing God for it. Whatever meager or much that you have. And I'm not talking about money. (laughs) He wasn't passing out money there, was he? He was passing out bread so that the people of God could be fed here in this uncultivated region where they needed to have a shepherd. So you know what he did? He shepherded them. That's what he did. And a good shepherd's going to do what? He's going to feed the flock. Christ calls them to an uncultivated, quiet place. He calls the sheep to come to a place that is ripe for the pickings, ripe for pasturage, and he pastures them. He shepherds them in this desert and solitary and lonely place as the day had worn away and the best of the day seemed to be gone. The Lord shows them something and gives them something and calms their mind to where they're not agitated. You know, the the song that we sing from time to time, it's been a long time, that John Newton wrote, hungry and faint, and poor. That's what this comes from. You see, the people were hungry. The people were faint. The people were poor in their spirit. Oh, child of God, do you believe sometimes that you're in a desert place? It feels like that to me. I feel like saying to the Lord, Lord, I'm in a desert place. Send me away. (laughs) I'm tired of being here. I'm tired of being in this world. I'm tired of this wasteland that's around me. You know why? Because I'm letting the wasteland affect my view. Do you see that? It's affecting how I'm thinking. It's affecting what I'm doing. It's affecting uh, my, my very emotions. I need to come back and get that Jesus perspective. And Jesus' perspective was when he saw the multitude, the agitated, the scattered, the opinions, the different ways they were going. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to go forward. I don't know what's going to happen, you know, based on what happens next week. I don't know what, I don't know how I'm going to be able to handle this. Jesus had compassion and he organized them and he fed them. Y'all see that? You want a model? You want a plan? You remember the Lord called them to that area outside Bethsaida. He called them to come out there. He called the disciples to come out there. The other people followed. Yes, of course. But they were supposed to be there. I am not saying that the Lord is is setting up and causing all these terrible things around us. Y'all know me better than that. And y'all know the word of God doesn't teach that. But as we have heard so eloquently put here this morning, tribulations will come. God knows he's so sovereign that he knows our trials and our troubles and he is prepared and ready and does come to us when we feel like we are in those desert places. This world is a wasteland, brothers and sisters. You don't want to, talk about, you want to talk about a sandy desert. That's what this world is. You're living in a region that is ripe for cultivation. It's ripe for pasturage. Jesus looks and he sees the condition of the sheep. And he's like, he's not mad. He's not angry. He's not upset. He's not giving him his opinion. He says he received them. He taught them, he healed them, he fed them, he looked up to heaven, he blessed what he had, he blessed the Lord, the Most High, he broke what he had and disseminated it to the people, he gave it away. I want you to know, as your pastor, this is my commitment. I'm not saying I'm going to be perfect in it because I'm a sinner too, but this is my commitment to you as agitated, troubled, scared, Weary sheep. This is my commitment to you. I want to look up to the Lord. Turn off CNN. Turn off Fox. Turn off the pundits. Turn off the surveys. Turn off all that stuff. I want to look up. And I try to do that on a regular basis. I want to look up to the Lord. And I want to bless the Lord because I know it's the Lord that's going to deliver me from this wasteland of, of the earth. And then whatever God gives me, Whatever God gives me. If it's Mark 6 on this particular Sunday. If it's the Hall of Faith on another particular Sunday. If it's sitting down with you one-on-one and talking about some issue you're struggling with. Whatever God gives me. I want to break that and hand it to you. To feed you. See? I want to get it. I want to break it. I want to give it away. That's my commitment to you. So I ask you the question as we close. Who are you listening to? Who are you listening to? Are you listening to the so-called experts that you can find every form of expert opinion that you possibly could want? As an attorney, uh, and many times throughout the years, we've had to hire experts in cases. And it is amazing that on my side, I can hire an expert that says exactly what I want him to say, exactly like I see it. And then on the other side, they'll hire somebody that says it exactly like they want it. <laughs> well, that's a, that's a nightmare for a jury, is it not? <laughs> You can find any type of expert saying any type of thing that you want to say. Who are you listening to? I'm telling you the way the kingdom of God moves forward, the way that the Lord Jesus Christ deals with us is in compassion with, with one another, teaching us compassion. And on the gentle hills of His green grass, we sit organized by the Lord. We sit and we are organized by how He directs. And we are fed by what he breaks and blesses and gives to us. This is a desert place. Would you agree? (laughs) But don't go away. It's just an uncultivated region that's ripe for the harvest, for the sheep of God to feed upon the grass of God. You see that? This is the answer. This is how we move forward. The song says, Hungry and faint and poor, behold us, Lord, again. Assembled at thy mercy's door, thy bounty to obtain. Thy word invites us nigh, or we must starve indeed. For we no money have to buy, no righteousness to plead. The food our spirits want, thy hand alone can give. Oh, hear the prayer of faith and grant that we may eat and live. The day. Is far past. And this is a desert place. May we gain Jesus' perspective as we view the circumstances that we're in. There may be one or more here that would like to follow the Lord. Understanding that that green grass, that gentle hill, can only be found in the kingdom of God. Jesus, It says He received them and He spoke to them of the kingdom of God. I speak to you of the kingdom of God. And the Lord is the one that invites us to come to that kingdom be baptized, confess his name, and follow him in the kingdom of God. We give you that opportunity. You have some song, brother?